Billy Graham, in his book, God's Sec- uh, Angels, God's Secret Agents, tells of a story of a man named uh, Reverend John Gibson Patton. Has anyone ever heard this story before, the story of John Gibson Patton? Uh, you might have heard it when I start to, ex- to, to tell it a little bit. John Gibson Patton was an early uh, 19th century missionary. Uh, he, min- he ministered in uh, New Hebrides Islands off the coast of Australia in the South Pacific. And the Reverend Patton, along with his wife, was a pioneer missionary in the area. Um, one such story one day really stood out to him. You see, he went to that island knowing full well the natives were cannibals. They were cannibals. And certainly they had never seen a, a white person, a western-looking man and his wife, come to their island And on one particular night, the Reverend Patton and his wife were terribly, terribly afraid. Because as they had set up their hut, as they had set up their home in the midst of this cannibal tribe, the tribe began to surround their home with weapons. And they began to chant, and they began to shout, and they began to have, they had torches in their hands, and they were shouting out threatening words to the Patton family. The Pattons were in their home, in their hut, looking out, and they saw dozens and dozens of the natives who at first were very curious about the Pattons, but had now, under the leadership of their tribal chief, had been resolved to terrify them. Perhaps they had come to even kill them. And Reverend Patton and his wife, all they did that night was pray. They prayed and prayed and prayed as they heard the shouts and the cries and the shrieks from the cannibals outside their doors. And they prayed all night. And in the morning, they had woken up from what little sleep they could muster. And the tribe was gone. The natives had not walked in their doors, though they outnumbered them a hundred to one. They couldn't believe it. They could not believe that they were not killed that night. As Providence would have it, a year later, as a result of Patton's efforts on those islands, the tribal chief came to faith in Jesus Christ. Reverend Patton led the tribal chief to Christ. This was a year after that event. And after having led this man to Christ, Reverend Patton took him aside and says, I've got to ask you, that night, when your tribe had surrounded our hut, when there were hundreds and hundreds of men with torches and spears crying out, shrieking out, possessed. We thought we were going to die. Why didn't you kill us? And the chief reacted with great shock and surprise. He said, what are you talking about? He says, I, don't you know why we didn't attack you? And the Reverend Patton said, I have no idea. He says, because when we surrounded your house, all we could see were armed guards by the hundreds who were surrounding your hut with swords and shields. He says, when we called out, when we were shrieking out, we weren't shrieking at you. 
we were amazed at the army that we had never seen before surrounding your hut. We had never seen these men on the islands, and there they were that night surrounding your hut, protecting you and your wife, and so we did not attack because we could not attack. We would have been defeated. Angels surrounding the Patton's hut as a result of the prayers of two saints. This is a true story. One verified by the tribal chief himself. Angels surrounding the camp, protecting God's people. What an unbelievable story of God's protection, of how He shelters His people. Well, today, friends, we continue that theme of fearing not, of knowing that God is with us. Today, I want to turn our attention to one such story, a similar story, no less, in 2 Kings chapter 6. Begin to turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, grab one in the pew back in front of you. And the title of the message today is, Do Not Fear, For Our God Protects. Do Not Fear, For Our God Protects. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 8. And we've got a great story, a great Old Testament story of protection here. But first, before we read it, I want to just give us a quick synopsis of where we are in history. I know it's so hard when we turn to a book like Second Kings, you're like, where am I? What, what time period are we in? Who are we talking about here? So a few questions that we need to ask ourselves. Who? What? Where? When? And we're going to skip why for now. We'll get to that later. Who, what, where, when? Let's start with this. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going backwards order here. What time are we talking about? When did this happen? 850 B.C. The, t- the story we're about to read, approximately 850 B.C. And where is this story taking place that we're about to read? It's in a little town called Dothan, Israel. Dothan, Israel. It's a small town about 10 miles north of the capital, Samaria. In fact, i got some pictures here. Nothing too elaborate, nothing too fancy, but I wanted you to see modern-day Dothan, Israel. Uh, just a, f- a farm community here. Let's go to the next one there. Uh, lots of crops, hills surrounding the settlement. It was a very, very small town and actually still exists today. Very, very small town. And we've gotten through the wind and the where. Now, what, what's the what here? What's going on in this story? In this story, a garrison of the Syrian army has been dispatched to attack the town of Dothan, Israel. The garrison of the Syrian army has been dispatched to attack this town. And actually, now we've got a map here. I want to show you where all the players are here on this map. As you can see, Dothan is just to the north of Samaria. And Samaria was the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. Of course, the capital city of the southern kingdom of Judah was Jerusalem. But in the north, they claimed Samaria as their capital. And so this little settlement town is just north of Samaria. And you can see uh, Israel there in the middle. And toward the north is a little country, a little territory there known as Aram. That's Syria. The Syrians are the Arameans in the Scriptures. Interchangeable terminology. The Syrians are the Arameans. And that's who is coming down to Dothan to attack this settlement. And now who? Who is in this story? Well, the first character we're going to meet uh, is Elisha. 
the prophet of Israel. Not Elijah, Elisha, his protege. He succeeded the ministry of Elijah. He had received a double portion of the spirit of Elijah upon him. And he was deeply empowered by the Spirit of God to testify of God. And he had already performed many, many miracles. He was well known in the area. Even among the Syrians, he was well known. And so we're going to meet Elisha. Oh, look at that. Look what I did. I knew I would do that. I spelled it wrong. E-L-I-S-H-A. E-L-I-S-H-A, not Elijah. Good job, Neil. Hey, I got it right in my notes. Number two, second person we're going to meet, not really going to meet him, but I want you to be aware of him, King Jehoram of Israel, of the northern tribe. King Jehoram was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. Two very, very wicked people in the Bible. And sec- thirdly and finally, we're going to meet King Ben-Hadad II, who was the king of Syria. He was the king of Syria uh, throughout this time from actually 880 B.C. until 842 B.C. And at times, believe it or not, King Ben-Hadad fought alongside the king of Israel. But there were other moments in history where the two nations were warring against one another. In fact, I just want to show you really quickly a, a, a list of conflict between Israel and Syria. Notice 935, Solomon versus Rezin. In 890... Basha versus Ben-Hadad I. In 858, Ahab versus Ben-Hadad II. In 855, Ahab again with Jehoshaphat against Syria. And now in our story, Jehoram versus Ben-Hadad II. Friends, you may not be a history buff. I just want you to know, this conflict kept going on and on and on. The story we're about to read was a long-standing conflict between Israel and and Syria, not to be confused, by the way, with Assyria. Syria or Aram uh, is separate from Assyria. So let's turn in our Bibles. We got our background. Now let's get to the story. Second Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. We're going to read it in sections here, okay? Second Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. Let's read through verse 10 to begin. It says this, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God, that is, Elisha, sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware, King Jehoram, beware, that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then King Jehoram of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. That is to say, Elisha warned King Jehoram multiple times of the location of the Syrian army that had come to attack Israel. Now notice very clearly, friends, Elisha, The prophet of God knows the plans of Ben-Hadad II of Syria without being in his presence. Elisha knows them because he is a prophet. Because the Spirit of God has told him, has given him revelation. He's not in their camp. He's not in their tent. Elisha is an Israelite. And he knows 
he receives a revelation from God, the Syrians are coming here. Don't go down this path. And so Elisha takes that information and he, he gives it to the king. And he says, oh king, don't go this way. Don't take this path because the Syrians will be there. And it happens multiple times, not just once or twice. It happens over and over again. Multiple instances. The king of Syria makes a plan. He goes to a strategic location and the Israelites are nowhere to be found. Well, as you would suspect, this frustrates the king of Syria. And notice what happens in verse 11. It says, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, he was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Translation, who's the spy? Who's the spy? Who is disclosing our location to the Israelites that they might avoid our troops? Who is telling the king of Israel where we are encamped that they might Avoid conflict with us. But no spy is found. They go on a witch hunt within their ranks, but no spy is found. But one servant of Ben-Hadad, he remembers the story of Elisha. He remembers the prophetic abilities of this great prophet. And he surmises that could be the reason the Syrian army is being thwarted in their attempts to attack Israel. Notice verse 12 to verse 14. It says this, And one of his servants, that is the servant of the king of Syria, one of his servants said, None, my lord, there is no spy. None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And so he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. And therefore he sent horses, the king of Syria did, and chariots, and a great, great army there. And they came by night, and they surrounded the city. One of Ben-Hadad's servants musters the strength to to surmise, it must be Elisha. There is no spy in our ranks. It must be their prophet who is disclosing our location to the king. Ben-Hadad is not too happy. His attempt, his multiple attempts to overthrow Israel is being frustrated by one man, one man of God, Elisha, the prophet. And as you might suspect, the king of Syria is none too happy with Elisha. He was none too happy that Elisha was disclosing his location. And so what does he do? It says in verses 12 to 14, uh, in verse 13, he says, Go and see where this man is, that I may send and get him. And they say, we believe he's in Dothan. And Ben-Hadad says, take the army, take a great army, a garrison of troops, go down there, find this man, and bring him to me. Now surely we are to suspect that Ben-Hadad has no other idea in mind but to kill Elisha. 
is angry with him. He wants him dead, that he might attack Israel. And so the army comes down to Dothan. They come from Aram, from Syria to the north, and they come to this tiny little settlement, a tiny little town north of the capital, weakly fortified, not many troops, and they begin to surround this town by the hundreds, perhaps thousands of Syrian armed men surround the town of Dothan, Israel, a tiny little settlement where Elisha the prophet is residing. Notice verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God, that is to say, when Elisha's servant, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went outside, there was the Syrian army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Ben-Hadad had not come to chit-chat. He had come to kill Elisha. And that's why he had sent a thousand Syrian armed men to that town. And when Elisha's servant looked outside the window that morning and saw thousands of Syrians surrounding him, he turned to Elisha and said, We're doomed! We're dead! There is no hope. We are greatly outnumbered. We have minimal Weapons, the Syrians are going to destroy us. Alas, my master, what shall we do? Notice Elisha's response. Verse 16. And so Elisha answered him. And he said, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes, my servant's eyes, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young servant and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Sound familiar? Do not fear. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha said, there's something about this world, about this physical world, that physical forces have no control over. There's something about this world, this physical world, where military might means nothing compared to the power of Almighty God. And he said, open his eyes, Lord. Open my servant's eyes, that he may see how much more we outnumber them. The Lord opens his eyes, and the servant looks and beholds all around the city. He sees horses and chariots of fire standing guard against the Syrian army, protecting Elisha and the people of Israel. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What a declaration of protection. Elisha's words are precious. And they're to be kept near to our hearts. The Scriptures are filled with these declarations. I want to, just, I want to walk you through some of these. Have hope. Be encouraged by these declarations of protection. First, the psalmist, he says it this way. He says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? David, in another instance in the Psalms, David says these words in Psalm 27, verse 1. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What about Paul? Paul, he said it this way. Paul said in Romans 8, verse 31, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the Apostle John, he said it this way in 1 John 4, 4. He said, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And Jesus, Jesus said it this way. He said in John 10, 27-29, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me, and I give them eternal life, they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of My Father's hand. Amen? Words of protection. Words of God's power. Words that should give you and me hope and courage and a desire to stand firm in tough times. You know, I know that there's a lot of things to be afraid of right now. There's a lot of things. I mean, goodness gracious, North Korea has told the United States of America on July the 4th they're going to send a missile our way. Did you know that? The president of North Korea has told this nation on July the 4th I'm going to fire a missile at you and it's going to come within 100 miles of Hawaii. Wow, that's something that I'm a little bit apprehensive about. Our economy. Um, I, I doubt that not one of us has not felt the effects of our economy. I know many of us are, are struggling right now. We're, we're, we're looking at our wallets and we're saying, Where, where'd the cash go? What about my job? Do I have security? Can I provide for my family? I'm afraid. Friends, we live in a time, in a place, in a moment in history where, you know what? There's a lot of things to legitimately be apprehensive about, worried about, afraid of. But He who is with us and those angels that He has sent to us outnumber, are greater than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This physical world might seem like it's crushing us at times. But remember, God through Christ has sent His angels to us, to our aid, putting a hedge around us, around our families, promising protection, hope, 
and deliverance. It might not come today. It might not come next week. It might not come next year. But it will come. It will come. And no one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, no one can take away their protection of eternal security by faith in Jesus Christ. They will be delivered. Elisha said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What's going to happen in our story? Look at verse 18. What will happen next? Verse 18 of chapter 6. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. And he said, Lord, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And the Lord struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. It all goes dark. The Syrians had come upon Dothan intent on destroying Elisha. Their forces far outnumbered those of Israel. And from the world's perspective, their victory was assured. But the one who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And at Elijah's request, at his prayer, the Lord strikes the army with blindness. Can you imagine that for just a moment? Imagine thousands of men, armed men, with swords and shields and spears and javelins about to attack and thousands of them go blind. They can't see. They don't know which way is which. God protects His people. God protects His people. And the story is not over yet. Normally in the Old Testament, friends, we would... Uh, we would see this blindness as a prelude to a great slaughter. Normally in the Old Testament, we would expect that the Lord, who has now blinded the Syrian army, would, would ask Elisha to call upon the forces of Israel to go out and to slaughter their enemies. Nine times out of ten, we would expect that to happen. What will happen here? Notice verse 19. Verse 19 says this, Now Elisha said to them, that is the Syrians, who were blind now, he says, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. You say, what? What's going on? Having prayed and received his request that the Syrian army be struck with blindness, Elisha leaves the town. He goes out, perhaps with a group of men with him. He goes out to the men and I imagine he walks up to the army who is in chaos. And he calls out to the blind men. He says, what seems to be the problem? And they all shout in unison, we cannot see! We can't see! And Elisha says, why have you come here to Dothan? Why are you here? And they said, we've come for Elisha, the prophet. Do you know him? Elisha says, uh, Elisha? Yeah, yeah, I know that guy. I know him. Yes, yes, I know the man. And Syrians turn to him and say, great, great. Do you know where he is? We've had, we have orders from the king of Syria to bring him back. We want to have a chat. 
Elisha says, sure, sure, I know where he is. Follow me. Follow me. And so right then and there, friends, one by one, the blind thousands of Syrian armies put their hands on the shoulder of the man in front of them and the merengue train dance was born. Right? I've been watching way too much so you think you can dance. Right there. The train dance all the way from Dothan to Samaria. Thousands of blind men holding the back of the man in front of him. Ten mile hike down south to the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. Elisha says, follow me. I know where he is. Come this way. Keep coming. Almost there. They enter the gates. The king, King Jehoram, looks at Elisha and says, how did you do this? Elisha brings in thousands of Syrian men into the gates, the capital city of Samaria. They close the gates. Verse 20. So it was, when they had come to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes. And they saw... And there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elijah, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Elijah calls on the name of the Lord. He says, Now open their eyes. These men who have now been disarmed, who are absolutely overcome by blindness, now open their eyes, Lord, and let them see where they are in the capital of their enemy, the northern kingdom of Israel in Samaria. And the king of Israel, Jehoram, turns to Elisha and says, do you want me to kill them? Shall I slaughter them right here, right now? Verse 22. But Elisha answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Would you kill disarmed men? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master, Ben-Hadad. And then the king prepared a great feast for them. And after the Syrians ate and drank, he sent them away. And they went to their master. And so the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Now, This is a peculiar ending. We know that God protects us. We read stories in the Word of how God shelters His people. We hear stories like the Reverend John Gibson Patton and his wife who was protected on the mission field in the South Pacific from native cannibals who wished to kill them only to be stopped by a heavenly host of angels. We know God protects us. Elisha told us in 2 Kings 6.16 that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. We know God protects us. But this story of God's protection is different. In this story, not only does God show His protection of His people, but He shows His mercy and protection 
upon his enemies. Friends, Jesus' death and resurrection has brought the offer of protection to the whole world. Jesus' blood has covered our sins, and not ours only, but the sins of the whole world. Even the sins of the enemies of God. But to receive the fullest extent of God's protection, to be sheltered even from death itself, the Lord asks us to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. If we are to receive the fullest extent of God's protection, the Lord says, believe on My Son, and I will save you to the uttermost. What happened to this garrison of the Syrian army? Disarmed and blind, led into Samaria, only to open their eyes and think, surely we are dead. And yet, Elisha and the king let them go. Fed them. Let them eat and drink. And then said, go back to your master. Go back in the mercy and protection of the Lord. We are not going to slaughter you this day. What happened to these men? Spared of certain death by the mercy of God. Did they turn in faith to the Lord? We don't know. But one thing is for sure. This story reminds us that God's offer of protection is not merely afforded to those who know Him in faith, but that it is also offered to all. Even His enemies. And so Isaiah's words, in Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7, I want to close with these words, are especially true of even the enemies of God. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way. Let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and He will have mercy on him. And return to our God for He will abundantly pardon. We have been promised the protection of our God and this story tells us share that protection. Share the care and shelter of God with everyone. Everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs forgiveness. And our God, through Jesus Christ, is mighty to save. Amen? Let's close in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your protection. You are a God who shelters Your people. You protect us. You protect missionaries on the field. You protect us here on the mainland, from from the evils that surround us. Father, You watch over Your people who call upon Your Son as their Savior. But even still, Lord, You offer protection to all. You died, Your Son died for the whole world, offering salvation, shelter, deliverance to all. Father, let us not hold on to this protection for ourselves. Everyone needs this. The whole world needs this. So Lord, let us share that message of protection, of deliverance, of hope by faith in Jesus Christ. Father, show us Your protective care today and let us share it with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.